On this episode of the Redmond Report, we talk about 14 million Windows 10 installs, the Nokia phone that had 3D touch, and why is Mozilla so mad at Microsoft about how to set a default browser? This is the Redmond Report. Kicking off the Redmond Report here, talking about Windows 10 RTM, uh, Microsoft launched Windows 10 this week. Yeah, they did. It's finally here. It's been, I don't know what, nine months in the works? Uh, maybe a little bit longer from the public beta testing, and it's been uh, it's been a crazy ride. And the the company finally pressed the button that launched the OS. So they launched the OS. One zero two four zero is out in the wild. Um, it's now on millions of machines. Microsoft actually uh, said fourteen million of them are now are now running um, Windows ten. 14 million. So actually, I've got a little bit more information about that. So 14 million installs. Uh, if you did the math, um, as I did, uh, you will see that it was about 162 installs per second at the peak. Um, Microsoft, an employee of Microsoft actually tweeted out an image of a counter that Microsoft has internally that showed 16 installs per second over the first, I don't know, about 18 hours or so. But then later followed up and said that actually that's a limit on the counter. It just can't physically count up quickly enough and yeah by doing the math it was actually off by about a factor of 10 and more so than that uh, because Microsoft started preloading this stuff I know for a fact um, that the peak was actually about 1500 installs per second uh, right out of the gate 1500 installs kicking online of Windows 10 every single second um, I don't know how long that is going to go on and that's actually something I'm very, very curious about, is how long can Microsoft keep this rate up? Now, what's interesting about this is Microsoft is essentially doing a dog and pony show here, if you think about this. They already know how many people registered for Windows 10. Um, it, it was If they don't know the registration number, that's kind of embarrassing. But I guarantee that they looked at it and said, okay, we have X amount of millions of people who registered through the uh, that little pop-up dialogue to receive the OS. Yeah, so they know exactly how many people are doing this. So are, this is a very staged rollout, a very methodical way of doing things. They are supposedly reserved up to 40 terabytes per second of bandwidth, and Microsoft didn't refute that, so I, I'm taking it at face value. But now that's capacity, I believe. That's not necessarily saying they're gonna use all of it, but they're just saying, hey, we need a lot of bandwidth. We are really, really pushing this stuff out. Um, it is my knowledge that they're definitely doing this stuff in waves, as the pointed out in the comments. Um, the reason why they're actually doing it in waves, as the company already said, they know which machines are not going to have a great install uh, experience. For example, if your driver doesn't exactly work great with Windows 10, if you have an audio issue, you do have the ability to kind of like blow past that. but they know who is going to be able to handle this stuff quite well. And so they want to get it on those machines first. So they're starting out with them and then they'll roll it out uh, as essentially as they get more time for patents or patents. That's the next thing. <laughs> more time for patches uh, of the OS. There is actually about a gig worth of downloads on day one, uh, but not for everybody though, it, because what happened was leading up to this stuff is Microsoft 
um, they released a bunch of patches. I mean, they were just kicking that stuff out. It seemed like one patch every 24 hours. I mean, it was just crazy how much they were doing this. And the reason why they know that as soon as they go live, like they are now, they can't continue to patch at this ridiculous rate. So they just said, okay, insiders, you're going to have to deal with some frequent patching, but trust us, it's worth it. So they just started kicking this stuff out, just really crazy. Um... Which means that for the RTM people, people who are buying, like if you go to the Microsoft Store or Best Buy right now, which you can buy uh, Windows 10 machines, you can go buy them. They are out there, despite what happened um, with the flub from Microsoft Marketing about saying, hey, there aren't going to be Windows 10 machines on day one. Um, false. There, there definitely are. And you can go to the store and walk in and walk out with a Windows 10 machine, but you are going to end up with about a gig of downloads. Um once you hit that power button and you get logged into your Microsoft account. And um, I will really strongly encourage everyone to create a Microsoft account, not just to give Microsoft your information, but allows you to get a lot of other things, such as Cortana access, access to OneDrive, access to a Microsoft Outlook account if you're into that. That's not too big of a deal. But it really just kind of acts as the tool that syncs everything uh, together, which another big issue and kind of befuddling here speaking of syncing is if you have multiple windows 10 machines or just installs if you, even if you use vms or whatnot uh, microsoft is not syncing currently the start menu it seems really really odd that they're saying okay okay we have this great os and we you can put it on everything and you can use it on your tablets and your surfaces and your desktop but oh wait we're not going to sync the start menu we're going to let you make you do that every single time uh, I'm pretty sure they are going to return that functionality. There was some sort of issue, obviously, that they said, okay, this isn't working out, so it's not going to be there on day one. I haven't quite gotten to the bottom of what's going on there, but that seems really, really odd to um, to do that. But anywho, so there you go. Uh, start menu syncing is not there. But anyways, you can go into a store, buy your machine. If you have one currently, just know that your start menu is not going to sync across devices, and you'll have to set everything back up again. But that's the small price you pay for running the OS on day one. Um, although many of us listening to this have probably been running the OS for many, many months, and we've dealt with many worse bugs than not having a start menu sync. Um, but speaking of bugs, and I haven't, I've seen this off and on. There, some people are reporting issues. I'll be curious if anybody listening has this issue of not being able to copy. Um, like the Control C shortcut is not working consistently. I've heard it from a couple different people now, and I haven't quite drilled down deep enough to see what the issue is, but that's a pretty big f functional issue that, um, you know, you don't really want to have to deal with. Copy and paste is a big deal, especially for the keyboard warriors out there like myself. You will know that using copy and paste is a big part of your day. So, yeah, go figure. Um, let me know if anybody's had those issues, but I currently have not. But there you go. Windows 10 is out. Um, Windows 10 is running on millions of machines around the world at about 162 installs per second if that rate's keeping up, which I, I really do think it is going to keep up for a while. I think that's a limit that they put on it and said, okay, like, we're, like I was saying before, we know that there's a finite number of people who have already reserved this, and so they're going to do it, a, a, I would imagine, some sort of consistent rate. So I, I bet that number stays up for a while. But anywho, uh, that's Windows 10. 
it is now out. You can download it now. Um, the ISOs are also out as well. I was kind of surprised to see those on day one because there's a little bit of confusion about if Microsoft was going to release that stuff. And another issue that has popped up relating to these ISOs are people who are clean installing after updating. Now, it was initially said by Microsoft, and this is not surprising at all, that all you have to do to be able to clean install Windows 10, which a lot of people want to do, especially insiders who've been putting on a bunch of these builds and some have been junky and whatnot, is so you upgrade to Windows 10 with your valid key, and then you download the ISO and do a clean install. So you have a nice, clean, fresh install. And what's been happening is people are reporting that their new, fresh, clean installs are not being activated which again is a pretty big issue and it kind of goes against what Microsoft had said publicly that you can just go ahead and do this and that once it's on your account, it's on your account. Um, so if you are thinking of doing a clean install, I would I would personally wait a little bit. There are people saying it um, works just fine and I have not tried it myself yet, but there are definitely people out there who have done it and have run into issues. So. If you upgrade to Windows 10 and it runs just great, I would not I would not screw with it personally. That's my recommendation until we get to the bottom of what's causing people who have legitimate keys um, having uh, activation issues. So just keep that in mind. It, it is something that's floating out there. So anywho, let's kind of move on to some other things. So in kind of like the middle to early um, July, I went up to New York City and got to play with a bunch of fun Microsoft stuff. It was actually their demonstrations of Windows 10. I got to meet with, um, like, Marcus Ash was there, who I've become really good friends with, um, who runs Cortana. And and I got to play with Phone Continuum. This is kind of, I've been talking about this stuff. Phone Continuum and Windows Hello, I've got to play with both of them. Phone Continuum is um, amazing would be an, an odd word to use, but it's all that's coming to my head. Because what it is, is it turns your phone into a laptop or a desktop or whatever you want to call it. It's essentially running Windows RT, if you kind of think of that environment. Now, it's not exactly that, but just keep that in mind. So what happens is, is so you, in this demonstration, they were using Miracast TV on, a, I think it was like a 65-inch Samsung TV. It's a huge, beautiful display. And they just they tap on um, mobile display on the phone. And it just beams it up to the larger display. Because of how Windows works now, it scales up. And not only scales up, but it orients to a mouse and keyboard orientation. And it worked really quickly. I mean, he just said, okay, we're going to do this. Boom. The longest part of it was the TV and the phone syncing up for Miracast. And once it was done, uh, there was no like booting. There was no nothing. It was just up and running. Um, and it worked really, really well. Like He just had a Bluetooth mouse and keyboard right next to it. And if you didn't know that it was running on a phone, you would have thought it was just a, a laptop hidden somewhere. Like, it works really, really well. And what's exciting about this is that just about everybody will agree that your phone one day is going to become your PC. And seeing Continuum demo by Belfiore on stage is one thing. But when you see them just use it, and he just he said, okay, I'm going to check my email. And he just fired it up and just keyboard, mouse, just no issues, no lag, no nothing. Now... It was semi-controlled, right, because they got to set up the Wi-Fi and everything. But, I mean, it was a live demo. I was sitting right next to him, just running with it. And he fired off a couple emails, read stuff, browsed the web. And you can actually use your phone as a second screen, too. 
So keep that in mind that you have your display, your, you know, whatever, your large monitor, whatever, doing your stuff. And then he also had Twitter open on his phone and it, 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 they interact, right? It's just like a second display. And Phone Continuum is gonna be, it's gonna be a big, but it's not gonna be big right away. I don't think, I, I, I really don't see people buying the Cityman or Talkman phones that are coming. Um, I, I, I just don't see people moving to this mechanism right away because there are some other issues with phone continuum. While it's great, there are simple things like you can't have any icons on um, like the desktop per se. It, it, you have to launch everything from the start menu currently. So what you need, what they need is to replicate the desktop functionality where you can just you know put your folders out there, save your documents because I'm sure like a lot of people, uh, myself included, when you download things, you just put them right on the desktop and you figure out what to do with them later. I, I'm pretty anal about keeping my desktop clean, but it's just the easiest way to download something so I know where to get it. But that functionality is not there. Um, it the like Snap Assist was not working, um, and I don't know if that's coming, but you could definitely use multitasking. Um, where you could have two windows, like the, that, that view where you can jump between the windows, Alt-Tab, what most people call it. And that's, again, where they told us, um, which they announced at uh, the partner conference, is uh, that only 6% of people are using that functionality, which I, I find really hard to believe that only 6% of people use Alt-Tab, but they have the telemetry. I don't know if they missed like a zero or something. Maybe it's 60%, but whatever. So... Um, anywho, Phone Continuum is really sweet, and it, it, it works just like you would expect it to. Um, but as somebody, as Dark Computer Geek pointed out, um, I think it was him, you can't run windowed apps in the right correct. Only, only one full app full screen. Not quite. You can run them on half screen, so you could run them in snapped. Uh, what he could not do in this demo was run two apps snapped side by side. Now, he could do one app on the, the TV and one app on the phone, but in this build, I believe he could not do them side by side. But again, this he was they were very cautious to show this off um, live like this, but they wanted to very much wanted to point out this is not feature complete um, for their vision of phone continuum. I don't know what build it was. They wouldn't show me. I did ask for that. Actually, they wouldn't let me touch the phone. Um, other than the only thing I was allowed to tap on it was the, to launch the continuum feature. And then they were very, very hesitant with handing over the actual hardware. But I mean, I was sitting within, you know, an inch of it watching him do all this stuff. And then he let me type and use the mouse and all that fun stuff. Um, somebody asked why they don't sync the start screen or the start menu from Windows to the phone. That's a really, really good question. And it might be beyond my technical expertise as to know why. Um, they, right now, they just mirror the phone. It, it seems plausible that they very well could mirror what's on your desktop. I don't know if it's a compatibility issue, but considering the fact that they don't have sync working just between two installs of Windows 10, it doesn't surprise me that they don't have sync enabled across, um, across to the phone. That, that specific scenario. Also, you have to remember too, you have to make the decision of what do you want to sync? Do you want to replicate what's on the phone which the user is holding? Or do you want to try to replicate what their desktop is? Now, I can't imagine that there's many Windows Phone users who are using Macs, so that could be potentially be an issue. But I think they're just sticking with the phone for now, for one, for ease. Um, two, there's a very good chance you're gonna have apps that are on your desktop that are not on your phone. 
And so how do they handle those situations? Do you want to sync a start screen that just kind of looks bad? I don't know what other way to describe it. So what they're going to do is just now, for example, it just seems like they're going to replicate the phone, which makes sense. Um, it's right in your hand. It's the You design that layout anyways. It would be nice maybe if they gave the option, and I could foresee that happening. But um, phone continuum is something that, to me at least, it's not going to be the, the killer feature for the phone yet. It's going to be one of those things that Microsoft needs to convince the enterprise on. I think that's, to be honest, where the most value is. Because if you have, if you, I mean, just imagine, you have somebody who works in marketing who's out in the field all day long, all the day long. And they've taken photos on their phone, and they're using their, they're essentially using their phone as a laptop in the field. Because they're pretty capable devices nowadays. And so they come back into the office, and then they have to get on their laptop and have everything sync over. Or, in this case, if... If they have the little dock that's coming out, you just set your phone down on this thing, and then it goes into phone continuum up on the screen, and all of a sudden you have your whole PC now on a mouse and keyboard configuration, and everything just works splendid. So that's that's where I really see this taking off, is for those people who don't need really intensive PCs that can just use these low, lightweight environments um, for now and get on with it. Now, I say low and lightweight environments, but think about how powerful the smartphone is today. I would I would hedge that you know, like these Citiman and Talkman phones that are coming out are probably just as capable or at least powerful as maybe you know a late 2000 laptop or desktop. Maybe even a little bit stronger than those. I mean, I you figure maybe a 5-year gap between how powerful a phone is versus how powerful a laptop used to be. So figure where we'll be in five years, how capable these little devices will be. Yeah, they're not going to run, you're not going to be running Photoshop and doing massive video editing and all this kind of stuff. But these little devices are getting more and more powerful every day. So it makes sense that at some point these little devices will just replace the bigger devices and all you'll need is a screen and essentially a mirror cast and keyboard and mouse and that's it. And the big benefit here, and if Microsoft plays their cards right, is and this is going to piss off OEMs, is that they can sell, or the enterprise needs to buy less hardware. I mean, that's huge, right? One of the most um, expensive parts of outfitting a new employee is that laptop, not including benefits and that other overhead, but you have to buy them a laptop, and they're generally a 1000 bucks a piece, a little bit more, and some places issue phones as well. So think about it they could remove one of the most expensive portions of onboarding a new employee. They just give them a phone and say, here's everything you need. There's, you know, there's screens and keyboards that are much less expensive than a full laptop. And so if they can convince the enterprise that this is a cheap way to outfit their employees who don't, again, who don't need these high intensive computers, it's a huge win. And the great thing about it is you get full Excel experiences, you get full Office, you get PowerPoint, you get Outlook which for many, and a browser too, and for many, many, many employees, that's all you need. And if companies built their infrastructure right, where everything's accessible through the web and it's not run locally, you're done, that's it. You're done, that's it, that's all they need. Boom, money saved, Microsoft gets the market share with the phones, and that's how I, I honestly believe that they are ever really gonna grow their market share to a significant number of size, is by convincing the enterprise uh, and potentially consumers as well, I don't want to rule them out completely, is convincing them that this is the future. This is how you're going to do things. And then you'll see Windows Phone market share take off. And what else is going to help take it off is apps. 
And this is kind of, Microsoft is in the same situation here with Windows 10 and Windows Phone as they were with Windows 8. They still don't have the apps. Um, things like Snapchat, things like a working high quality uh, first party Instagram product. Uh, Twitter is still junk. Now there are alternatives out there. Um, Tweetium is a good one. But they're not first party, which is what a lot of consumers look for. They don't trust third parties because you're you're routing through them, essentially. They don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It's just consumer being naive, which is uh, totally understandable. There, we have a long history of saying, okay, the web is bad. Only trust certain things and make sure you have antivirus. And so then you start seeing these apps that look like Twitter that aren't really Twitter. And then they are Twitter, but they're not built by Twitter. So it's like, do you, do you think that's going to work well for a consumer. So where we're at with Windows 10 and these apps is Microsoft has opened up the Windows Store for Windows 10 Universal apps. And they're hoping, they're really, really, really hoping that by saying they're going to have a billion devices in the next three years, they're going to get these developers to jump to the Windows Store. And the big problem with this, this whole theory that they're going with now, is that do you really want Instagram on the desktop? Snapchat will never come to the desktop because it's, they can't control the experience. They can't control if you're screenshotting. They can't control any of that stuff. So Snapchat will never come because of the desktop. I can't see Instagram coming, maybe Facebook, but where these apps need to be is on the phone. And I don't know. The, the verdict is still out if the desktop sales are going to drive app development for the phone. That's basically what Microsoft is hoping. That's that's what they're having. And Dark Computer Geek says, do you think Snapchat will ever come for Windows Phone? If they get enough market share, that's when it will come. There's nothing, there's no reason why they wouldn't build it other than there's not a reason to dedicate the resources for it. So yes, you can make the arguments easy. It's universal apps. Um, they can convert their, uh, what there's the Valhalla stuff or whatever the iOS and Android compilers, they can convert their apps. It's not hard. And Microsoft is also banking on that, but we haven't seen too much because it's all under NDA to see if that's really going to drive app adoption. But um, I think we will see Snapchat eventually on Windows Phone, but I don't know when. I haven't heard anything. I don't, I don't use Snapchat too much, and so it's never been a big issue for me personally. But... Um, I think we will. I think they'll eventually have to build for it, but it's not going to be anytime soon. It won't be until Microsoft gets some get some decent market share. So, if you really want Snapchat, you got to keep not only hounding them, but you got to get people to buy Windows phones so that Snapchat has a reason to buy them. And you have to understand that it's not necessarily for the low-end phones either. Snapchat is generally used, and if you look at their demographics, it's a lot. It, it's very strong in the U.S. It's very strong, more particularly on higher, mid to high-end phones. And what does Microsoft sell the most of Windows phones? Low-end. So it, it, there's a lot of things working against Snapchat being on Windows phone, but um, I don't have any information about it. This is just more speculation at the end of the day. Um, but moving on, moving on away from that stuff. Windows Hello. I got to play with Windows Hello like a native, not the not the Intel stuff that's a standalone dev kit, but it was in a Lenovo laptop. Um, I can't remember which one it was. It, it might have been a Yoga or something, but whatever. It had the right camera, and there were very few of them about, so I didn't get to walk away with one. But Windows Hello is amazing. It's, it is so much better than I thought it was going to be, it, right? It's pretty easy to... 
to come to the conclusion, okay, yeah, I let this thing scan my face, and then I'm logged into Windows 10, and life is good. Um, but what's really crazy about it is how quickly it works. That's that's the, the killer feature. If you've ever used like the Connect Xbox login stuff, you know that it takes a little bit of time. You gotta stand there, you gotta make sure your face is in this like exact spot. Um, but Windows Hello works really, really quickly and it works great and I am actually very excited about this because it's going to be coming to the phone I believe in Cityman and Talkman too and it, it really is the password for the future and how it works is so this particular one um, used infrared to scan my face I don't believe it was doing iris scanning but I believe there is support in for that and is what it does is you you open it up and you walk through the Windows Hello prompts and it takes you can watch the video it's on Neo and um, it, it takes, I don't know, 20 seconds to do the whole thing twice. And they recommend you scan it twice so it can get a couple different composite images of your face. And so you just run it. It says, boom, done. Do you want to run it again? You have boom, it does it again. And then you log out. Uh, you don't have to log out. I just logged out. And I turn this laptop away, and I turn it back on my face, and I am logged in in probably less than a second. It might be a little quick. Two seconds max. Uh, what I can tell you, it was definitely quicker than typing in my password because the camera can just recognize you and then it just logs you in. You don't need to type anything. You're off and running. And what's really, really neat about this stuff is just how easy it is. There was no question. We tried to spoof it a little bit. I'll be very curious when I get my hands on one to try to really um, jump into this stuff and see if I can create, you know, they they say you can't print out a picture and use it because of the infrared. It looks for heat. Um, but I would, uh, and I'm hoping to get one here. They, they said they were going to try to send me one, but th these things fall apart sometimes. But I really want to try to, I really want to try to spoof it using like a picture and putting some heat on the image and then sticking it in front of it and just see what happens and see like what happens when you're wearing sunglasses or dark shades, if you wear a hat, um, really how far you can go along with spoofing this stuff or trying to to trick it and and see what really just uh, see how it goes. But yeah. So Windows Hello is really cool, and it's going to be even better on the phone because you log into your phone so much more frequently than you do a desktop. So you just look at your phone, and it's going to be on. I will be curious to see what it does to battery life, though, um, if that's if that's an issue. If you can just turn on Windows Hello, if it only turns on when the phone screen's on. I'm sure they have some creative ways so that the camera's not just always running. But Windows Hello, um, be on the lookout for this stuff. If you're going to buy a new laptop in the near future, and like the Surface Pro 4 that's coming, um, I would very strongly recommend getting something with windows hello it's more than a novelty factor i really that's kind of what i thought it would be i thought it'd be this kind of weird archaic way of logging in just like the connect and it just works no 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 it's fun it works quickly it's freaking amazing and i don't know how they do it so quickly but that's all that matters at the end of the day is that it's it's a better password at the end of the day now what's even better about it is for the enterprise or you can do it yourself is it it's a true two-factor authentication so if you're really concerned about this stuff is what you can do is you can set up a pin you can set up another password so it scans your face and then you have to enter the password so that's a really really strong mechanism for securing um for securing your computer because what they actually brought about was the problem with and this is kind of awkward but they, they brought about with the iphone with the touch id on the phone so if you're not familiar with iphone 6 and it's been out iphones for years um, you just put your thumb on the touchpad and you're logged in so the kind of 
scenario they asked, they said, well, what if you're passed out or you're like, sleeping or something? Somebody could, in theory, just lift up your hand and touch it to the phone and they're logged into your account. Yes, they have to be there and, you know, it's kind of weird, but that's a possibility, right? I mean, they could, you could see how this could happen. So they said if you had a second factor, such as a pin or whatnot, it makes it significantly harder to, uh, to get to that point. So just keep that in mind that Windows Hello, it's, if you're going to get a new laptop and you're definitely going high-end, make sure whatever you're buying supports it because you will, you will fall in love with it. And I now every time I log into my Pro 3 or my uh, Dell XPS 13, neither of which have it, and you enter the password in, you just remember how simple this could be and how much better it could be. And I really do think this is where the password is going and that we'll eventually um, stop you know, typing. The other cool thing Microsoft's doing with Windows Hello is they have Windows Passport, which allows you to tie into all this stuff so that you can use this authentication layer on more areas than just logging into Windows. But it's cool. It's coming. I think we're going to see it on a lot more machines uh, in the near future because it's a good premium feature for vendors. It's a good markup item for them. So they can say, hey, we've got Windows Hello and, you know, charge you an extra 120 bucks or whatever the heck they want to do. So just keep that in mind that they will be premium devices, at least for now. But just like everything else in technology, as you know, as it scales up, um, pricing will come down and, and all that good stuff. So some other things that made the news this week um, <laughs> is this Windows 10 Solitaire is freemium. And I've been meaning to write an article about this. And just the ways that Microsoft is trying to monetize Windows 10. Yes, Windows 10 is free, but there's a lot of upselling inside of Windows 10. They push Office 365. They're pushing um, Skype Wi-Fi or whatever they call it, Windows Wi-Fi now, where you can pay for premium access to hotspots around the world. They're also pushing this Windows 10 Solitaire. They're also pushing Groove Music. They're also pushing Xbox Live. And these are all premium services that the company is offering inside of Windows 10. Now, if you haven't updated yet, don't think it's just like a barrage of uh, advertisements. I mean, you can certainly do everything you do now on Windows 8 and Windows 10 without paying a dime um, and upgrading for free. But there's also a lot of ways that Microsoft is hoping to make you pay out. Um, just using these services, getting you hooked on their, you know, getting hooked on their, um, their bloodline. And so just keep that in mind that there are a lot of different ways that the company is trying to monetize this stuff. So what it is, is for Windows 10 Solitaire, it has advertisements in it. Surprise, surprise. It's a freemium game, kind of. And so what they're offering is Solitaire as a service, kind of. So you can pay $10 a year or, it's like $1 or $1.99 per month, and it'll remove all the ads from Solitaire. That's it. And the Internet's kind of gone crazy with it saying, oh, you know, it's uh, Microsoft is trying to nickel and dime everybody. Well, not really. You can play for free if you want. But, yeah, if they're charging money for it, just whatever. Just be aware. It's kind of making a lot of headlines for some un unknown reasons. Um, somebody had mentioned that Windows 8 Solitaire actually had a similar um, premium feature. I haven't looked. Uh, <laughs> it was actually an issue I was trying to look but I have upgraded every machine I have to Windows 10, or it's on one of the various insider builds that I haven't fully updated yet. So I couldn't actually fire up a machine and look at it. Uh, but if you do have Windows 8 still installed, let me know. Let me know what the Solitaire says. I'll be curious to see if there actually is that feature. Another thing with Windows 10, and I find this actually pretty funny, uh, is Mozilla, Mozilla, 
uh, creators of Firefox are not happy with Microsoft on Windows 10 on how you set a default browser. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. So there's a lot of things at play here that people may not have thought about. So first off, the first thing I did was um, I downloaded Chrome on my uh, virtual machine here. And I want to see actually what you have to do to set a default browser. And what happens is, so you, I downloaded Chrome and there's a little banner at the top that says, this is not the default browser. Do you want to set the default browser? You hit yes. And so what happens then is that it opens up the settings panel uh, to where you set default apps. And what you have to do is you have to scroll down until you find Edge, click it, select Chrome, hit done, and your new browser is set. That's it. Um, Mozilla wants it to be easier than that. In prior versions of Windows, um, you could do it within a window. It would pop up and say, hey, change my default browser right here. So why did Microsoft change it? Why did they do that? One, they were just condensing some of their settings and whatnot and making all this stuff happen in one place. But I, I kind of wonder if this is not the real reason. So Microsoft's deal um, with the EU has now expired where they have to do a browser ballot. At one point, Microsoft, um, every time in the European Union, when you installed fresh install of Windows and you launched Internet Explorer, it had to come up with this little window, a browser ballot box, and you could choose Internet Explorer, Chrome, Firefox, or whatever. And the European Union did this because they said Microsoft um, used their position unfairly to basically block out other browsers um, from Windows. So for several, many, many years, Microsoft had to do this browser ballot. Well, browser ballot is now done. So Microsoft no longer really has to be so nice to other browsers. Now, it's not that they're locking them out or doing anything, but they don't have to give them this really clean, easy way to do all this stuff with the browser. So they, they didn't make it quite as easy. Now it's still, it was three clicks to permanently change it to Chrome, but Microsoft can be a little bit more aggressive now because Chrome is a very much a real competitor. So is Firefox. I don't think Safari is too much, um, but they don't have to be so nice. They can just say, hey, you know what? We want to make sure our people, everybody uses Edge. And frankly, Edge is a fine browser. It is missing some features, uh, most notably extensions, but they really want consumers to use it. And so they just didn't make it quite as convenient as they previously had. But Mozilla took offense to this. I will be very curious to see if they try to take them to court. I think it can be very easily argued now that Windows is not nearly the dominant player that it used to be. Mac sell, you know, Mac sell a lot. But at the same time, what is a PC? Is your phone a PC? Which I think you could make that argument. If that's true, then Microsoft doesn't have um, the strongest market share by a tenfold that they did in the early 2000s when they got nailed by this browser ballot stuff. So that's kind of uh, what's going on with Edge. It's a really, really interesting shift about how Microsoft is operating. Um, hopefully you're having a good experience with Edge. Um, if not, make sure to really rattle off in the comments or use the feedback because I know I know several people on this team, um, very high up, who actually build this stuff or are in charge of everything. And um, yeah, so they very much read the comments and they read this feedback. So if you have complaints, by all means, make them known because they want to help everybody out. In my experience, Edge is pretty good. It's not... You know, I'm a I'm a Chrome user. I've been I gave up on Internet Explorer just like many many other people. Um, 
and I'm trying to find ways not to use Edge to justify using Chrome, and the list is dramatically shorter than what it was with Internet Explorer, where uh, there was actually issues on Neo and our, and our CMS where Internet Explorer wasn't working so well and people were just using Chrome and whatnot. And so Edge works a lot better. Edge works a lot faster. Um, so my list of complaints or justification for using Chrome is now a lot shorter than it used to be. So I would say give it a spin. It's worth it. Uh, Microsoft made it the blue E for what we've already talked about. Um, but anyways, I want to move on here. Um, so we don't ramble too long is Microsoft there was a lot of uh, gosh like hedging or whatever you want to call it um, enthusiasm around this last last summer about this time now called the Lumia McLaren it was a phone that leaked out um, just specs only that featured 3D touch 3D touch what is 3D touch um, it's a bunch of nothing is what it is. It's just a trick. But a lot of people got really sad when Microsoft canned this phone because there is a video that surfaced of what 3D Touch is, and it's nothing fun. All it allowed you to do was to take your finger and hover it a little bit over the screen and get gestures. There's Motorola had something like this. It was called like Airwave or something dumb. Um, Samsung had it, I know for sure, in one of the galaxies. And what, it was just allowed you to hover your finger over the screen and just kind of scroll and play around with the screen, but it didn't really offer too much. And definitely after seeing it in form, uh, makes a lot of sense about why they killed it. There was just really no strong reason to justify putting out another Windows phone um, with, with this stuff. Now, they maybe could have expanded upon it. Um, you know, and, and and had some gaming aspect. What I was hoping, what I was hoping from what I heard, was that it was going to be almost like resistive uh, touch, meaning that like, okay, if your if your finger's an inch away from the screen, it's only a little bit of an impression, and if the closer you moved it, the harder the click would be, almost kind of like a force click, what Apple calls it. And I was hoping we would see something like that, where we would get that dynamic pressure to allow you to really expand upon it. But the the video that leaked out didn't show anything like that. Microsoft has not hinted that they were planning to do anything like that. So unfortunately, it looks like 3D Touch really just wasn't much of anything. Uh, we may see it again in some future build or something, but for all those people who are super excited, but at the same time a little bit sad that it got canceled, it doesn't look like you missed much. Other things that happened this week, Twitter, Twitter bless their hearts, trying to figure out what to do with their revenue. Um, updated their Windows 10 app and it's in the store right now and it, it has a updated interface but if you consider yourself um, like a hard hardcore might be too much just anything more than a novice user the Twitter app is is junk at the end of the day I mean it looks all right it's definitely an improvement over what they had but at the end of the day um, it doesn't do it doesn't do I don't think it does lists um, you, if you like TweetDeck you will hate the Twitter app. And I'm a big TweetDeck user, and I even like Twitter's webpage, and it doesn't do everything that's on the webpage. So you can check it out. It's really good for just consuming content. You have to manually, or you have to refresh the content. Um, it does not stream in, which just doesn't make sense. That's where Twitter's power is. Twitter doesn't under understand what their own product is, which is another issue. But the power of Twitter is that it just streams and updates itself, and it's always pulling it in. I know it's re more resource intensive, but that's, that's what makes Twitter Twitter. 
and their Windows 10 app is just it's just a big bag of meh at the end of the day. So you can go check it out. It's free, just like all the other Twitter apps. Um, I haven't checked to see if actually there's advertisements in it. Like, I hope I'm not jinxing myself. The nice thing about Twitter or TweetDeck is that it doesn't show any of their ads, which is really odd. You'd think that they'd want to put their ads into all their streams, but not on TweetDeck. Keep it classy, Twitter. Um, somebody said, Christian said, there are no ads. So there you go. There's no ads on the Windows 10 app. So that's another area where, whatever, Twitter, figure out your revenue models. Um, it's not that hard. You're an advertising company. Put ads where your stuff is. So other things, um, Sonos. Sonos has announced that they are supporting Groove Music. Groove Music, formerly known as Xbox Music, is now working on Sonos. I personally do not have a Sonos. Um, people who love them have, like, rave about them. But um, I have never purchased one. I don't know. I'm not like a. I don't know. I consider myself somebody who likes higher end audio equipment, but I've never really jumped down the Sonos bandwagon. Um, it's they're supposed to be super easy to set up and whatnot. Anyways, if you're one of the <laughs> the few, the proud uh, subscribers to Groove Music, you can now use it on your Sonos. Um, yeah, so if you do have that, I'm actually curious to see how much you like it. I'm really curious to see if Groove Music takes off, too, because the new branding, Windows 10, and Xbox Music really didn't do so well. And so now everybody seems to be pushing their stuff. And so we've got Apple Music, Spotify, Groove Music, Pandora, Spotify. I probably said Spotify, whatever. Um, that's Microsoft's take on it. And now that they're trying to get a billion machines, we'll see if they can actually get some uptake into that market. So that's it, guys. Um, a lot of Windows 10 stuff this week. I hope that everybody's installs have gone well. Um, we've thrown up some pretty cheesy tips up on Neo, and, and I want to just kind of expel, expand upon this. People always ask, Brad, why did you write such a simple tip? Um, for example, how to clean up your taskbar and hide that, hide the search bar and hide the Cortana icon. Um, the comments very predictably I always said this is so easy why would you do it you'd be surprised that post will do exceptionally well with traffic and people searching for that stuff and the reason why we write this stuff is that the analytics tell us that consumers don't know and exactly as pointed out um, people will google it they will say how do I hide the taskbar and that's where we want to be is you know new one at the end of the day is all about trying to drive traffic to ourselves not like here's Here's 10 reasons to love Windows 10. Here's 10 reasons to hate it, or you won't believe these 10 Windows 10 GIFs. Um, but it's a lot of people who search this stuff, guys. It, they really do. The consumer is very basic. They, they're they going to go from Windows 7, we'll just say Windows 7 because that's where the most users are, to Windows 10. And all of a sudden, they have this really large item on their taskbar. If Think about it. If 6% of people only knew about Alt-Tab, very few people know about the, the right-click, how to hide this stuff. So you got to cover the basics. It's people people really do um, attract to this stuff. So just keep that in mind. There's going to be some coming more over the coming days. Just because you got to remember that. Um, so let's see. They said 14 million people uh, got Windows 10, which is probably um, should be close to 16 million by now. Um, are firing up. Five million were insiders. So you, you back that out. So there's at least nine million people who are who are experiencing Windows 10 for the first time, and there's a lot of things to take in. And so if they haven't been reading new and uh, if they haven't been reading all the other tech sites or whatever you guys want to read, there this is all new. And so they go to the Google and they search it, and there you go. That's why this stuff comes up. 
We kind of want to end here on a happy note. Today is system administrator, sysadmin day. If you like your networks working, if your computers are running well, if your email is online, if you're using your internet at your office, uh, make sure to give them a shout out because this is the day for them and they are generally not loved um, enough. And if something breaks, they're the first to get blamed and yelled at until it fixed it. But nobody cares about them when things are working well. They assume it's just magic. Your system administrator is the person who keeps all that stuff running. So happy sysadmin day. And what is today? Today is, I know today, today is July 31st. My birthday was yesterday. I turned 30. That was fun. So today is July 31st. This is episode four of the Redmond Report. And thanks for listening.